Good morning, Wisconsin. We call this Dealer's Choice. This is Jeff Wagner. We do it this time every morning. One of the things that I think is one of the most perhaps talkable and interesting topics of the day, and this is something that affects all of us. I have no doubt that when I am of a mind to start collecting Social Security, Social Security will be there for me. I've reached that point in my life. Now, my producer, Hondo, who is, as much as it pains me to admit this, who is a bit younger than I am, all right, I have questions about whether Social Security will be around for you. And for your son, Hondo Jr., there's no doubt in my mind that unless there are major changes made to the way Social Security operates, it ain't going to be around for Hondo Jr. Now, here... I I think maybe everybody knows this, but let's just review the bidding for a minute. Every year, you probably get a statement from the Social Security Administration saying, this is, if you retire now, if you retire at the age of 62, this is how much your monthly benefit would be, assuming that you continue to work up until the time you're 62. If you retire at full retirement age, whether it's 65 or 66 or whatever, this is your benefit. If you wait till the age of 70, this is your benefit. So you, you get those, those things. What you might not realize is that there, the, the money that you have been paying into Social Security, that's, that's not in a separate account, for example, in your name, because what is happening is the money that you are paying in, the money that we all pay in now, goes to pay off benefits of people who are already collecting Social Security. So that number that the government gives you, said this is what you're entitled to, that's sort of an IOU from the government, but it's not funded. There's not money in there. And the problem that Social Security is having, it's simply, it's a numbers thing. It's a demographic thing, because what is happening, especially with us baby boomers, you have the, the baby boomer population is aging, and planning to retire. So as the baby boomers retire, they are going to be depending on younger and younger people who are paying their money into Social Security to pay out the benefits that the baby boomers are entitled to. And because you now have people living longer and more and more people on Social Security and fewer people paying in it into it, sooner or later, the numbers don't add up. And you run into a problem. So, I mean, here's here's the way it looks like right now. According to the Social Security Board of Trustees, um, right now there is a $2.8 trillion, which is a lot of money, $2.8 trillion in spare cash. That's the, okay, that, that's the amount over what the obligations are. But that is being drawn down every year. They estimate that by 2034 – which would be, you know, uh, again, you know, 17 years from now, that money will be gone. That money will be gone. And so Social Security will not be bankrupt, but they'll be in a position where either there has to be a massive cut in benefits or there has to be a massive increase in Social Security taxes. You either have to have more money coming in or less money paying out because, that's just what you need to do to make the numbers work. So that's like I say. I mean, for somebody like me, it's not a worry. For somebody like Hondo, maybe it's a bit of a concern. But for your kid, I mean, it, it's this is a real issue. 
And people are wrestling with how to to do this. You know, there are various arguments that are out there. Some people say, well, we need to increase the Social Security payroll taxes. We we need people because right now there's a limit. You know, once you make a hundred whatever thousand dollars it is, you stop having to pay more money in because your benefits are are capped. Um, some people say we need to cut back on benefits. Some people would argue that what we need to do is extend the retirement age. Don't let people collect benefits at sixty-two. Make them wait till 66 before they can start collecting things draw this out longer but the reality is that this is this is a problem one of the other solutions that is being thrown around is the idea of privatizing a portion of social security the idea that Right now, you don't have any choice as to what happens to your money. You know, your every you know every paycheck, x amount of dollars is taken out of your paycheck. It goes to Social Security, and Social Security then invests it in these really super safe bonds that pay almost nothing. You know, very very little. So, but it but it's really secure and it's really safe. On the other hand, if you develop an investment strategy, you know, you kind of choose, you know, where you want to invest, there's no question that you can probably do a lot better, that we get a lot better return on your money than you would just with this ultra super safe stuff that Social Security is. So one of the ideas that is being floated around, particularly for people who are a ways out from being able to collect on Social Security is an option that would allow them to take some, to designate some, not all, but some of the money they're putting into Social Security and instead put it into like their own account and within certain defined parameters, let them make some investment choices. Let them invest a little bit, maybe in an index stock fund, something like that, as opposed to having no say at all. All right, let's open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. This is a very, very controversial issue. I, I get that, but... Looking at the sheer numbers for many, many people, particularly people right now who are in their teens or their 20s or their 30s, something has to happen in order to change the the drawdown of Social Security. Would you like to see the ability to designate a portion of your Social Security proceeds and be able to invest it like you do now if you've got a 401k? 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. We discuss. It's 1016. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1018, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The pack might be in Atlanta for the NFC Championship game, but that doesn't mean your kitchen can't smell like Lambeau Field with WTMJ's Run the Table Tailgate. Listen in to WTMJ all week for free food at your Packers tailgate and the chance to run the table at your party on us. Matter of fact, I'm not doing it now, but sometime before 11 o'clock. Sometime this hour, we're going to be giving you a chance to win. Listen all week to WTMJ for your chance to win our WTMJ's Run the Table tailgate, courtesy of Bunzel's Old Fashioned Meat Market and Catering. All right, this is one of the big controversies. Social Security, just the demographics are such that at the rate people are, at the rate we are paying out Social Security versus the rate that people are paying into it, um, it's, it's going to be running a deficit by 2034. And that sounds like forever 
But trust me, that's you know 17 years, and that goes by in the wink, of, blink of an eye. That's not an issue for a guy like me. But if you're you know if you're 30, that's something that you need to be concerned about. One of the things that the ideas are floating around is privatizing a portion of Social Security, which would let you set aside a portion of your lifetime benefits in a special account that you could control, that you could decide how to invest within some very defined limits, like you do with your 401k plan. Joe in West Dallas. Joe. Good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. I'm all for it. And let me give you an example of what my dad did to me. I got out of the military in April of 80, started working in July of 80. He had me take 10% of my paycheck, and he hooked me up with four mutual funds. And he said, every payday, put 10%, 2.5% in each one of these mutual funds. He says, in 25 years you'll be able to retire very comfortable with seven digits. Right. My, my dad lied. I hit it at 22 years. <laughs> so you retired, retired, you retired at 52? <laughs> I retired at 52, yes, yep. sir. Wow. Because of, of that growth. And Mike, and see, mutual funds, yes, yeah. sir. And, and see, I mean, here's the reality. I mean, I think most people can relate to it. If, if you've been doing what you're talking about, you know, investing in mutual funds and 401k plans all along the way, your your return now some years you have good years some years you have bad years but it's sure a lot better than where the money you've been putting into social security goes and it's only 10 percent and you hardly even miss 10 percent of your paycheck joe let me ask you this though i mean the argument is if you let people do that they, they wouldn't do it responsibly they'd be they'd be investing in shopping malls and dusseldorf and things like that and they'd be losing all their money and it wouldn't be there for them then they're pretty stupid doing it that way. <laughs> the, hard, the, the hardest thing is, is when your car needs new tires. You know, you got to right. put. Okay, I remember to put money on the side for right. rainy days like that. Right. But you know, that that was the hardest thing to get used to, doing that ten percent every payday and putting that check in the mail. But hey, it, it worked it. out. No, thank, thanks. And yeah, it worked great. I right. love if I'd known doing nothing was so much fun, I'd have done it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the call, and congratulations on retiring at fifty-two. Now, I I, I want people to understand it. Most of the responsible proposals to do this put limits on the type of would, would put limits on on what you could invest in we're talking index funds and things like that i mean they, they would bar you from doing the really flighty things like investing in the shopping mall in dusseldorf but i mean joe's the point joe was making is precisely the point that the people who argue for this say it's like you can get a, a better return it is your money let you take some responsibility for being able to do this. And matter of fact, I hope a lot of our younger listeners were, were listening to Joe's call. I was just, I was talking to a young man, friend of mine who's in his 20s the other day, just explaining, hey, you know, you're eligible for a 401k now. My advice would be start investing and then just, you'd be amazed at what you have when you turn 50. And I understand if you're 22 or 23 or 24 now, 50 sounds like it's forever. But as we say, it goes by in the blink of an eye. Joey in Brookfield. Joey, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Good Hi, morning. <clears throat> so on Joe's point and yours, I think it's an excellent idea. We should be allowing the consumer or the future retiree to have some say in it. You know, the, the rule of 72, yes, you, we could all be Joes. That said, the only question I have as a bigger topic on this topic is the snapshot time frame saying that uh, Social Security will be out 17 years approximately. Right, in a neg- it run, running a negative flow, yeah. Correct. And, and it's based on the baby boomer. It's on the demographics of America. My right. question, and I honestly don't understand this because I haven't done enough research, so I'm asking you to help, 
is we have a population in the United States that is increasing constantly. We're constantly expanding physically as a mass. Uh, so we have more people in the workforce. Granted, it doesn't seem like there's the high-paying jobs it used to be, but there's more people in the workforce. We could argue whether or not they're making more, but there's more contributors. And I wonder if what we're being told is the truth in the sense is that if we have more people contributing to the system, how is it we are going to go dry? And I know we can slice and dice it a million ways, but that's my question. Yes, I think we should invest. I think we should allow people to invest and have a little more say in it. Um, and it should be say a junior or senior high school class it's mandatory how you will retire 101 so yes that's a great idea and i think we should do it it should be started as soon as possible and we should be teaching our kids right out of school about this but my big question is is that our population is growing what's going on right well and i think that that's a fair question because but i mean i I think what you have to do and, and and maybe Maybe if you extrapolate like 50 years down the line, and I'd have to look at the numbers too. Um, right now, the baby boomers retiring, huge draw, not enough millennials coming up to, and people living longer, not enough money to pay the benefits long term. Now, maybe if you go out, you know, 30 or 40 years and you look at all right, where the population growth is now, maybe you can say that that's going to be sort of a temporary thing. And I understand your point. It's like maybe, maybe we're going to have more and more people that are out there. Uh, and that they'll be able to cover the millennials and the baby boomers. I don't know. I'd have to look and do the math on that. But nobody, at least right now, seems to think that – I think almost everybody agrees that this is going to be a concern because there's not going to be enough millennials and Gen Xers paying in to cover the, the needs of the baby boomers and the you know greatest generation, the folks that are still out there. But that, that's a fair question, and I'd have to go out and look at the mortality tables – Dennis in Summers. Dennis, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dennis. Great dealer's choice. Thank you, sir. Uh, this is an issue that uh, it was very real for me. I'm going to be 39 next week, yeah. and I'm self-employed. So I pay both sides um, as a contribution. I pay right. the, the employer and the, the employee, I guess you could say. Right. And you get a little bit of a tax deduction, but still, you're paying all the money out of, out of pocket. I get it, yeah. It is, and I don't think the politicians have the will to do the private privatization right. uh, that you're talking about, because President-elect Trump said he's not interested in right. um, entitlement reforms for Social Security or Medicare, it kind of seems like. So let's just say you have eight years of Republican uh, in, the, uh, in the presidential office. Then let's say you have eight years of Democrats. The Democrats will not touch this right. issue. So you're 16 years out. You're at your break line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and for me, it's like I'm paying in and I'm, I'm responsible with my investments and uh, pretty much my life. And I look at people that are my age or younger, or, and, and a lot of them are not. Yep. And, and, and I, it's one of the things that I've called about, I think, last week on means testing. And it's just so aggravating because I'm responsible, and I am so tired of clutching up the weak. Well, right, because here is the reality, and and I understand you're you're exactly right. Donald Trump was, during the campaign, was saying, that's one of the things he went after Paul Ryan on, because Ryan's been a do-the-math guy. He's been saying we need some sort of entitlement reform, and Trump said, oh, this is politically stupid. That's why Romney lost, because they were talking about entitlement reform. But you're right, 16 years— is not that long a period of time. And here's what's going to happen, Dennis, if we don't do something. Maybe people don't like the idea of privatizing, but if we don't do something, 
it is going to be either massive increases in Social Security taxes that people who are working are paying. And that's not going to be me. I'm not going to be working 16 years from now. I I guarantee you that. Or it's going to be dramatic cuts in benefits that people aren't going to like or some combination thereof. But you're right. This is a a train that's heading, you know, off the tracks. And somebody's got to do something. And I don't think they will. No, no, thank, no. I don't disagree because again, this is what it's demonized. Oh, it's if you want to try to do any of these reforms, you're trying to you know starve older people or no. I mean, this is it is a reality that that's out there. And I get I get it. You can say sixteen or seventeen years is a long time, but you're you're exactly right. You know, you know, two terms of Donald Trump or whatever, two terms of Democrats or whatever. I mean, sixteen years, it it goes by quickly. All right. The guy showed up with 300,000 pennies. I'll tell you all about it. 1028, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And by the way, why don't we do this giveaway right now? Um, We have our WTMJ Run the Table tailgate, free food at your Packers tailgate, and a chance to run the table at your party. Our winner for my show today, caller number 15, 799-1620, 800-877-1620. Caller number 15 wins the WTMJ Run the Table tailgate prize for this program. 1028, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Thirty-five, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Bucks open a three-game road trip in Houston tomorrow as they battle James Harden and the Rockets. Ted Davis will have the call beginning with Buckshot's pregame coverage at 640 tomorrow night. If you want to see the video of this, go to WTMJ.com. Click on the Jeff Wagner Show page. Got a video and a link to the story because this is one where... A picture or a video really is worth a couple thousand words. No question about that. Oh, and by the way, speaking of that, one of the questions we continue to get is, do you podcast the show? The answer is yes. If you go to WTMJ.com and, again, click on the Jeff Wagner Show page, we do, in fact, podcast the show, and lots of people are downloading and listening to it. You can also, again, download it. You can subscribe, and every time we've got a new one posted, it will uh, just notify you. So check that out as well. Okay, here here is here's the deal. And... I swear, I'm always behind this guy. I mean, this is the type of guy, not this guy in particular, but in general, this is the guy I'm always behind. His name is Nick Stafford, and he lives kind of in rural Virginia. So here's here's the deal. He is apparently trying to figure out what jurisdiction he is in when he has to go to register his son's Corvette. All right, so it's... Apparently, there's a question as to, you know, what which district or whatever is he in. Um, So what he does is he wants to call the local DMV office. So he he calls like directory assistance or whatever, and they forward him to the, the state DMV. He refuses to ask his question to the state DMV. He says, no, I want to talk to a local office. And they said, no, we're the ones that that handle this. He says, tell me the number of the local office. They say, no, you know, we'll handle this. And then they get into an argument because they won't give him the number of a local DMV office. So not willing to take no for an answer, upset with the runaround, um, he then files a Freedom of Information Act request 
trying to get the phone numbers to the DMV offices in his area. All right, now, again, this whole thing, I understand. The guy is frustrated. Just give me the numbers. They refuse to do it. He then files a Freedom of Information Act request. Ultimately, he ends up getting the numbers. His argument is, gee, I I needed to talk to a local person because the guy at the state DMV or the gal at the state DMV office, they weren't going to know what they were talking about. They wouldn't have understood the geography about where I lived exactly. doesn't matter. Big brouhaha, guy versus government. So he has to file a Freedom of Information Act request. So he ultimately figures out that he owes $3,000 on taxes and registration fees for his son's new Corvette. So he owes three grand. So a lot of different things he could do. He could go down there with a credit card and he could pay the three grand. He could write a check for three grand and sends it off. No, no, no. What he does, he hires he hires eleven people. They go to the bank and they order 300,000 pennies. He then hires these 11 people. They spend out, so they get, they accumulate 300,000 pennies that are in those penny rolls. He then has 11 people who then spend hours unwrapping, taking the pennies out of the penny rolls, and putting them in wheelbarrows. I swear, hand in the air, I am not making this up. I've got the video up on our website. He then, I think there's one, two, three, it looks like five wheelbarrows full of pennies. He then shows up at the local DMV office with these five wheelbarrows full of pennies, and he wants to pay his three thousand dollar bill with them apparently it's one thousand six hundred pounds of change right five wheelbarrows he leaves in the office we've got the video this then of course forces the local dmv to figure out how they are going to count you know all all their money all right, I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right, is this guy a hero or is he a jerk? Should he be allowed to do something like this? You know, there, there's nothing that automatically says that you have to take change. This guy says he is trying to make a statement. He got the runaround. He's going to show those so-and-sos at the DMV. Now, of course— the woman or guy behind the counter at the local DMV who's presented with five wheelbarrows full of pennies, 1,600 pounds of coins, they're not the ones that, that jerk the guy around. But 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. Okay, is this guy a hero or is he a jerk? And more importantly, should he be allowed to do something like this? Or in a case like this, should the DMV just adopt a policy, we're not taking change? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Now, again, I, I understand, believe me, I understand getting frustrated with government bureaucracy. Believe me, I understand getting frustrated with bureaucracy, you know, in general. But should you be should he have been permitted to do something like this? In some circles, he is being hailed as a hero. You really stood up. You showed government whatever. Let's start with Roger in Green Bay. Roger, you're first. Good morning. Hello, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling. And 
and and my opinion is, first of all, he's a jerk. He's not a hero. Number two, he should not be allowed to do this. And number three, this is not an original idea. It's not the first time somebody has tried to pull this stunt. And what I've heard over the years is what the people at the government agency do is they look the guy right in the eye and they say, no, get out. We're not going to accept this. You aren't paying this, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what they should do here. Okay, now... Pennies are legal tender. My question to you would be why shouldn't they why shouldn't they accept this? I mean, is this is this really any different than showing up with three thousand dollars in singles, for example? I well, in my opinion it is. In my opinion, it's first of all, it's abusive. Yes. It's clearly intended to be abusive. And I'm gonna and yeah, I'm all I'm a libertarian and boy oh boy, the government people are there to serve me and I appreciate that, but there comes a point where I've gotta say no. Look at it like this. How he had to hire eleven people to unroll these. How yeah. many man hours is the government gonna have to expend to roll them back up? And that's my tax dollars if yeah. I live there. Yeah, no, thank, thank, see, you know, Roger, I completely and totally agree with you. I mean, look, I, I'm all in favor of standing up to the man and not being pushed around by government. But to me, this is a jerk move because, again, I'm, I'm always the guy behind this. I, I'll be there trying to, you know, trying try to work out some traffic ticket or work out, you know, I'm, I'm the guy, I, I, I just, I just need a question or I, I gotta get a permit or I wanna pay my property tax. I'm always the guy behind the idiot with the five wheelbarrows full of change. But th- this is, to me, it's a big, picture type of thing. And you are exactly right. If you let this guy do it, it's not, I, first of all, I don't know what statement he's making. The, the poor clerks at the local DMV, they're not the ones who were jerking him around and not giving him the phone number. So what are you doing? But you're right. It affects all the rest of us as well, because you do this and now you've got whether they have to spend taxpayer dollars to hire somebody to do it. No, I think you are completely within your rights, just like I think businesses should have the right to say, hey, we're, we're, we don't take credit cards, for example. You know, if, if you want to pay, you know, you've got to pay in cash. Don't take credit. My barber. Herb, who's on vacation now, you know, doesn't take credit cards. You know, you want to get your hair cut by Herb? It's, it's, I mean, it's it's a cash it's a cash business. I think you have the right to do it, and I think in this case, I think government office has have the right to say this is not acceptable. Now, I don't know where you want to draw the line. It is one thousand six hundred pounds of pennies? Is that different if you wanted to come in and pay in singles? Yeah, I, I think it is. I don't know where you want to draw the line, but I I know. I know this this line is drawn. Jay in Greenfield. Jay, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. I, I, I got kind of a funny story that's similar to that. I was an RA in the dorms uh, in college, and I had some guys, they busted the alcohol policy or whatever. So right. they had to pay a, 20, a $25 fine. Okay. So they give me the money, $25 uh, in pennies, in a wine jug. <laughs> Penny just barely fits in the top of that wine jug. So I take that $25 to the dorm director. He goes, well, I'm not going to take that. Yep. Says, i got to have $25. So then I go, okay, I go to the bank. They go, we, we, we're not going to take this because we can't get the money out. So then I have to bring it back, break the thing apart, take all the money out, take it back to the bank. And I'm thinking all this time, here I'm the one that followed the rules right. trying to help the dorm out. Right. And I was the one, if, in hindsight, I would have just said, 
hey, you guys have a party as much as you want. Right. That I would have to deal with it, right? Or alternatively, here you take your wine jug back. You know, I want twenty five bucks in cash or a check that's going to clear. Now, and, and thanks. And again, I, I see that. Uh, that's that is the key here. I mean, I appreciate protests. I'm all in favor of protests. But at this point, case first of all, I think the guy's protest is is uh, misinformed and certainly misdirected. But but more importantly. If it's all about trying to inconvenience not just the DMV, but it inconveniences all the rest of us. I mean, can you imagine? Imagine, with all due respect to my friends and a number of people who I know listen to the show who work at the DMV, uh, can you can you imagine going to the DMV in many cases is not a pleasant experience under the best circumstances. Can you imagine you're you're there because you want to? I, I just I got to get my license changed or I need this renewal or whatever. And there's a guy with five wheelbarrows full of pennies in front of you. Can you imagine doing this? I would say. I would just say no. And if you need to adopt a policy saying we're going to give the local people, the DMV, the discretion to decide what is an acceptable form of payment, I'd do it. Brian in Waukesha. Brian, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, Jeff. Good morning. Um, I thought it was amusing hearing this story because it kind of reminds me of the time I had to pay a debt off myself, uh, about $2,300. Only I decided instead of using pennies, I used nickels and dimes. <laughs> and I was kind. Yeah. I, I at least kept them in rolls. Right. And the person protested, and I told them that there is a Supreme Court ruling that says that I cannot use pennies for a debt of this magnitude because it's too much of a burden on you. Yeah. But to my recollection... There's nothing that says I can't use nickels and dimes. <laughs> so they took the money. They had to. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I just, you know, I mean, again, I, it's kind of like, I, I just, I kind of shrug my shoulders in these things because I, I look at this, and it is interesting because I've been following the story since it happened on the Internet. And again, in, there's certain circles that he's being, oh, this is great. You're standing up to the government. The government jerked you around. And look here, you're making the statement. Well, to me, the statement is you're a jerk. And you're inconveniencing people. I mean, I feel bad enough. If you're a longtime listener to this program, you know that I collect change. What what happens is when I go home at the end of the day, I empty my pockets. I put all the change I have into this, like, pint-sized plastic cup that I got from Ron Johnson when he was first running for Senate. And then once the cup gets filled up, I pour the change into one of these two big plastic jars that I have on in in my family room once the two plastic jars get filled up i take them to the bank and i always and i mean i think my record is 800 bucks i mean the two of them total 800 bucks but i always feel guilty doing that because i i know i'm inconveniencing people i show up and there's people waiting to get the tellers and the tellers have to go and they have to take the money and they have to dump it into the change machine but at least in that case i'm not trying to make a statement i'm just trying to get my cash and i'm going to put it into the bank account now if you want to see this and decide for yourself wtmj.com the jeff Wagner show page 1048 News Radio 620 WTMJ 1052 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ I had one of these shouting at the TV moments the other night which is is either a sign of extreme mental health or an extreme mental health problem and and it wasn't just it wasn't the Packers game I watched the Packers game at my best friend's house and his, his wife who's also a very dear friend of mine at, at right at the end of the game 
I'm wearing my Matthews jersey. You know, Evans in his um, in his Rogers jersey. Sundin's wearing his Rogers jersey. At the end of the game, we're all like standing up, just fixated on the television set. And my my dear friend Susan Evans' wife, she's like, I got to get a picture of this. You know, because we were just all like like focused. So we we I understand. You go to the pack. You watch Packers games on television. You yell at the screen. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman come on. You yell at the screen. I get that. Well, I had a moment where I was yelling at the TV news the other night. And again, I it's either a sign of of being you know really really tuned in or it's a sign of mental health issues we'll let people decide but here's the deal there, there's this story out of Racine let me let me share it with you um, it's a mother and a daughter duo who was arrested and accused of long-term drug dealing after here's the way the story reads after a search warrant execution on Wednesday at Riverside Inn and a related traffic stop a mother and daughter accused of teaming up to sell crack cocaine have been charged Marlena Banks 41 and her daughter Michaela Brown 17 both of Marquette Street face various um, drug charges the two were charged last Friday with felony counts of manufacturing and delivering cocaine on or near a school maintaining a drug trafficking place etc etc um, apparently, they were arrested at a motel. Metro drug unit discovers Ziploc bags with the corners removed. Um, so, okay, they're, they're, they're drug dealers. During a traffic stop of a car, Brown, this is the 17-year-old was driving. Investigators found a plastic bag containing 22.2 ground grams of cocaine. According to the criminal complaint, law enforcement had been monitoring the duo's drug dealing for months, including a drug deal um, close to an elementary school. So you've got this mother-daughter act, allegedly. 41-year-old mom, 17-year-old daughter who are dope peddlers. All right. Okay. Uh, allegedly. So on Channel 4 the other night, they trot out the grand... And I don't... I, this is not a criticism of Channel 4. The grandmother trots herself out Get this, a grandmother rallies for teen's release on drug charges. Teen mother accused of selling crack. A Racine woman, this would be the granddaughter, is blaming her daughter for luring her granddaughter into a life of crime, recruiting her to help sell crack cocaine near the two elementary schools. So the grandmother says, okay, my my daughter, everything in the criminal complaint, I believe, is, is correct. But, you know, it's my daughter's fault. Uh, the woman, the teen's grandmother, says she considers the teenager a victim because she's a minor. She also says her granddaughter never wanted to engage in criminal activity. The woman says that the kid spent her entire life under the influence of her mother while living in an unstable home. Michaela would have never done any of these things. She didn't want to. The first thing out of her mouth when she called me from jail was, Grandma, this is not me. This is not me. I have goals. Now, of course, the operative thing is she calls from jail. It's not she calls six months earlier and says, Grandma, you got to get me out of this life of crime. You know, Mom is making me sell crack cocaine. It is only after she gets her sorry butt caught, you know, driving around selling dope, then, Grandmother, Grandmother, you, you've got to help me out here. Um, Grandma says she's not disputing the claims in the criminal complaint, doesn't deny her involvement, uh, the granddaughter's involvement with illegal drugs. However, she questions why the county spent what she considers to be eight months trying to build a case against her drug-dealing granddaughter instead of trying to remove the minor from the home. Yes, the police caught her with drugs. Yes, all those things that they have in the criminal complaint are facts, but she is the victim here. She is the victim here, and she thinks, well, she's got all sorts of issues that they have arrested her granddaughter. Okay, 
I'm screaming at the television. I'm screaming at the television like a crazy person. Lady, first of all, if, if your granddaughter is selling crack cocaine, right, maybe, maybe what you should have done is been involved three months or six months or a year ago to try to alert the authorities to try to get the daughter out of the the granddaughter out of the environment. Yes, I am sure after granddaughter got busted, right, then the first call is grandma, you gotta help me out. I mean I didn't want to do this. Well, okay, if you're so concerned now, okay, where were you three months ago? Where were you six months ago? Where were you nine months ago? And to criticize the authorities, oh this is terrible. I think it's disgraceful that they were investigating her. Well, okay, they're investigating her because she is committing a series of crimes and they are trying to build a case. I'm yelling at the T V set saying, Look, I'm I'm sorry. Sorry the kid got caught, but, you know, I've just seen this time and time and time again. Everybody finds religion. Every, I've always said it's easier to find God when you're in a 5 by 8 jail cell and you don't have any other temptations. It's easier. It's certainly easier to say, this isn't me. I have hopes. I have dreams. I'm not really a dope dealer after you've gotten busted. So I'm sorry this lady. I'm sorry it happened to the daughter. I'm sorry it happened to the granddaughter. I'm sorry grandma is unhappy. But, lady, where were you? Over the course of the eight months that your granddaughter and your daughter were dealing dope. Just asking. 1050 HF Wagner, 620 WTMJ.